.NET Rocks episode 742, recorded live Saturday, February 4th, 2012. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklin's.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering video training on Silverlight 4 with Billy Hollis and SharePoint 2010 with Sahil Malik. Order online now at Franklin's.net. And now here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Never mind. It's Carl and Richard. We're here again. What's up, Richard? Ah, you know. Another day, another geek out show. I, yeah. I got to say it on, I think I said it on the air before I said it on the air again. You were right, sir. These are the most fun. Yeah. Well, and certain people certainly like them, maybe just because it's a bit different from what we normally do. Sure. I mean, not that I'm not having a blast on the tablet show. Oh, yeah. And we've got some great Donnet Rocks coming down the pipe as well, but, uh, doing a lot of homework to get these geek outs right. It's just fun. Yeah. It is good. Better no framework. Hit me. Better. Better. Better no framework. Oh, you got going to write a new theme song now? That Hell last no. one was pretty weird. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little overdub. That's all. Here you go. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, maybe we got to rename it because it's just become a hot point for resources, you know? Yep. Whether it's something in the framework or some tool or something like the, the router that I talked about, the virtual yeah, router. Lots of attraction on that. People a lot of, get really excited about yeah, that. Yeah. A lot of tweets of people that didn't know it. And mm-hmm. I'm just looking at popular downloads, right? Right. So, uh, I want to bring us back to, and, and this is cool. I went looking for homeautomation.net, right? This was my Bing search. And I wound up on Stack Overflow and somebody was asking, uh, you know, if there are any libraries and guess where they pointed them? Where? At .net rocks. Oh, that's nice. So, I figured, what the heck, let's go back and revisit that show we did with Stacey Harris. But then I thought, well, that was 2008. We did right. a show on home automation. He has another video from 2010 uh, at Channel 9. So if you go to tinyurl slash home aut video, home A-U-T video, tinyurl.com slash home aut video, that'll take you to Channel 9 where Stacey Harris and John Mullinax talk about Microsoft Robotics Developer Studio, cars, and home automation. So, you know, we thought this would be uh, for a smart grid show, you know, something that's current with a guy we respect uh, who does this, and he does it in .NET. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Who's talking to us, man? I uh, grabbed a comment off of uh, 732, which was the Geek Out show on electricity. Oh, and man, it never ends. Got a lot of comments there. We, I was answering a few questions. We are talking about synchronization and so forth. But I, I really enjoyed uh, James uh, McClellan's uh, comment. He says, uh, my British dad and other British relatives claim that because voltage is 240 volts, kettles boil twice as fast here as in North America. Is that true? <laughs> Even if they do boil twice as fast, wouldn't that really mean that kettles are twice their wattage? I doubt that this is even true, and a quick Google search seems to confirm this. I would think that the only effect of double the volts is it would use half the amps, and you could run twice as many kettles on the same circuit. Maybe this is what they really mean, twice as much hot water in the same amount of time. That's funny. Well, and I appreciate that James you know, got the show, too, because he compared, hey, if we double the voltage... We can uh, we cut the amperage in half for the same number of watts. That's right. So we get the ratio right. So and the answer actually is James uh, that the advantage of the two hundred and forty volt system is that you can actually put more power through the wire. And you when you get twenty amp rated wires and twenty amps of two hundred forty volt wires uh, are thicker 
than our 110 volt 20 amp wires. But you can actually power more stuff, bigger motors, bigger coils, but it's not going to be double hmm. because that's still a hazard. That's an awful lot of power, yeah. but it can be more and right. it usually is more. So there is distinctly an advantage in that system over the 110 volts. There's also a better thing you could do, which is just get propane. <laughs> there are other ways to boil water. That water will boil damn fast. Let yeah. me tell you, put uh, a flame under it. But you're, yeah, so not twice as fast, but it, it can, depending on the t- kettle you get, go faster. The most powerful kettle you could put on a typical 110 volt North American circuit is not going to be as powerful as the most powerful t- kettle you could put on a typical 240 volt UK circuit. How's and- that? Awesome. And I'll send him a .NET Rocks mug because we love great comments. And if you'd like to uh, get a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on any .NET Rocks show at .NET Rocks.com. And speaking of non sequiturs, Pluralsight <laughs> provides comprehensive developer training online. They have over 200 hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts such as those you hear on our show. They release 8 to 10 new courses every month and offer a free 10-day trial, giving you access to 200 minutes of their video library. Pluralsight offers over 20 courses on ASP.NET development and have several courses dedicated to understanding security, including ADFS2 and WIF, WIF, uh, mm-hmm. Windows Identity Foundation 3.5, as well as a new course by Adam Tuliper on hack-proofing your ASP.NET sites. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And, uh, hey, I said it before, but I'll say it again. Do you like high-end acoustic guitars? Because I know you do. You're out there, you guitar players, you guitar aficionados. Well, uh, it just so happens that I'm putting together a little video show with an audio website where we compare really, really high-end acoustic guitars, play them through the same mics and preamps, and record them playing the same song in a controlled environment so you can hear the difference. Not only that, but we'll put up a spectrum analysis so that you can see the difference visually between these guitars and what they sound like. And you'll be able to download full fidelity FLAC files so you can see for yourself what they sound like. I hope you'll play a few inexpensive guitars too. Yeah, of course. Just to give us that range. I mean, I'm not a guitar player. I mostly just admire your playing, but... I can, I do have pretty good ears and appreciate the differences in the sound. No, absolutely. We will do that. So that's going to be called Acoustic Addicts. And there's no website yet, but uh, stick around. It's coming. And, and here's the tagline. Stay tuned. Ah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking smart grids. Now, here's what I know about smart grids, okay? okay. I, I know that a smart grid is something that regulates electricity flow based on usage and demand. Yeah. And so the 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 example that we get uh all the time is uh electricity is more expensive during the day and cheaper at night. So you know, you you will have a dishwasher that's programmed to run at night or you'll have um switches that turn on and off things during the day and run them at night. Like your dryer, for example, which takes probably the most electricity of any appliance. In a in, in, yeah, typical electrical-oriented household. But, you know, we should go back a couple of steps here because okay. you've got to deal with why, why do we need to change anything? What's wrong with the grid yeah, as what's, it stands? What's wrong with it? Because we've already, when we've talked about this in the electricity show, just how the grid functions and it's got its issues. But, you know, if we just maintained it well and fixed it up a bit, we'd be fine, right? Uh, the issue is that the power that... 
these big power plants, and I don't want to underplay just how sophisticated our current grid is. The mm. current estimate for the number of power plants, something like 5,800 in North America. Like there's okay. a lot of power plants. And that's what you learned from the electricity show. They all have to be synchronized to get onto the grid. To in yes, and they're, that's why they're in different areas, and they're they're different synchronization groups. There's a lot of complexity here. Uh, but the real problem is that those big power plants they start up slow, they slow down slow. Uh, they're not very adjustable, and anticipating demand is quite challenging. And the differential between peak demand and minimum demand is like a hundred percent. There's a double amount of power consumption at peak than there is at, at the at the low. And because you can't just spin up power plants easily, you tend to provision for the peak. Right. So that means a lot of electricity gets wasted. Exactly. You're burning a lot more coal, a lot more oil, a lot more natural gas, a lot more uranium. You're running and uh, more windmills, keeping solar cells going, like all of these different things. And that power is not being used particularly well. So the first, the first word that comes to mind is storage. Well, exactly. Except there is no good way to store electricity. That's point. right. All of them have significant percentage losses, especially when the quantities get large. Yeah. So, you know, that's the challenge with power. So there have been a number of practices enacted to try and encourage people to level off that behavior one way or the other. Uh, as I understand in the UK, they're now doing this variable metering system. I don't know this everywhere, but it, it's going on there where... Half the day is at one rate and the daytime rate and half the day, the nighttime rate is at a lower rate to try and encourage people to use nighttime power and try and raise that trough up the low and push that high down so that we use power more efficiently. Yeah. And this all comes back to power metering, right? That we actually are being measured on the power we consume and uh, lots of good fun around that. Now, primitive systems, and I have to flatly admit where I live still a basic primitive system, right? The meter is on the outside of the house and there's a man who comes by once or twice a month and reads the number off that meter. Nothing more sophisticated than that. <laughs> that's that's the dumb grid, right? There. That's pretty dumb. That's a one-way grid where we we put a, we put all this power out there, right? That huge sea of powers out there and then we look at how much you sipped on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we just kind of and you know, there are people who are employed by the power companies to watch the consumption all the time and to adjust the grid on the fly. But when it comes to looking at individual homes, they're getting these individual handwritten, more or less, data points once, twice a month to try and figure out you know, where the power is going. And I don't know if I've ever told the story of when I was caught, when I was considered a, uh, uh, a grow op. A what? We, I got my house busted as a grow op once. A grow op? What's a yes. grow op? A grow up, growing marijuana. You grew marijuana. I did not grow marijuana. I got busted as being one. They they they, they raided my house essentially. So wow. Well, here in British Columbia, we you know which they seem to grow a lot of pot around here. People are quietly converting their houses, taking advantage of the weakness in the grid essentially, to make their houses into big greenhouses. Right? They they cover over the windows and so forth. You know, there's sort of signs that you're you've got a house in your neighborhood that's a grow up, and they yeah. grow marijuana plants and, and and sell them. You know, and interesting. You should say that because a study came out that finds New Zealanders are the largest consumers of marijuana in the world. Did you know that? I did not know. Yeah, that. the biggest potheads are in New Zealand. Oh well, isn't that funny? It's something. I'm just saying. You're just saying. It's a good thing you like bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> I caught on that there might be a problem when my meter got read too often. You know, I've got 
cameras on the outside of the house because down the basement where my office is, usually I can't hear the front door. And so right. I get a camera to be able to see that. And I noticed that a guy, the meter reader was coming by almost twice a week. Huh. So I was trying to figure out what's going on. Like, this is weird, right? Like, why is weird. Reed And then one day, two police cars show up and a fire truck and a car from the city. All Within seconds of shooting, they all arrive at the same time. Wow. And I, I looked over my wife and I said, uh, I believe we're about to be busted as a grow up. And she's like, well, what do you mean? He says, well, look what's outside. And so there's been this policy put in place in, in Coquitlam, where I live, where if people had unusual power consumption, they, they might be grow-ups, right? It's one of the signs of a grow-up is that because you run these big lamps all the time wow. to grow the plants as quickly as possible, you consume, not only consume more power than the average person, but you consume more power at night. At night. Oh, right? and since you're running servers in your closet... Yes, I've got a server closet in my house, and it's running around the clock with air conditioning and so forth, so my nighttime power consumption is way too high. Oh, that's funny. They bust in, they open up your server closet, and there's some Service. pentiums. Now, and I would like to say, <laughs> they, they, the, pro, the process is really interesting. Like Before you get all uppity about Canada has no laws, da, 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 when they arrive at the house, I open the door, I'm like, I figure you guys think I'm going to grow up, come and look. And they're like, sorry, we can't even walk into your house. We have to give you this letter. And the, and really what they want to do is stick the letter to the door and just leave. Right? Okay. But the letter says, we're concerned about your power consumption. Okay. And we'd like you to voluntarily have your house checked to see what's wrong with your power consumption. Ah, okay. So that's the first step. And if somebody says, no, I won't, then there's probable cause. Then, well, then, well, I don't even think that's probable cause. All this says there is, if you should choose not to volunteer for this, and here's how you do it, you could have your power cut off, oh, just okay. as a safety to the neighborhood. Oh. Now, you think about it. If I was a grow-up, A, I wouldn't answer the door. Yeah, right. Right? They'd stick the thing on the door. Now, the grow-up guy shows up, see the thing in the door, says, they're going to bust us eventually, get out of here. Right. Which solves the problem, right? They True. get rid of the grow-up. True. But uh, in the end, what I did was I called for the inspection. Yeah. They showed up a few days later. The police checked the whole house first because, yeah. you know, who knows what I might be actually up to. That's right. Fireman never came in. The city guy came in. I showed him the server closet, and we told the story about how people react to the server closet. <laughs> and what they told me is, you know, if you just got a business license for the server closet, whether you're doing business here or not even important, then we'll know that's why your power consumption is uh, okay. So, you know, for a $60 license, problem goes away. Anyway, it was a bit of excitement. But interesting that for them to figure that out, they're sending these meter readers out all the time. Right. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Telerik JustCode. If you're like me, you're probably using some productivity add-on in Visual Studio to check, refactor, and test your code. But how'd you like to get a complete list of your solution's errors on the fly as you type, and not just for the opened files? The new kit on the block, JustCode, does just that for all supported .NET languages as well as JavaScript. It's like having a compiler running all the time, only that JustCode is faster and requires less CPU time. One area where JustCode is definitely better is performance. The tool provides the fastest code analysis and better performance without slowing down Visual Studio. Another reason to try it is JavaScript support. It'll help you read, navigate, and refactor your JavaScript code better than you've ever imagined. Learn more about the features JustCode offers and download a trial at Telerik.com slash JustCode. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. 
So, you know, and it, it dawns on me that we as software developers understand this whole internet grid thing and yes. peer-to-peer communication, whereas the power company does not, really. Well, the rest of the world doesn't get it. Yeah. Like, we have a weird set of knowledge in our head. We understand something a lot. Of, it's very confusing. Right. And, uh, you know, the whole concept of the IP network, which I think is absolutely vital to the future of this grid. Yeah. So the first step moving down the path of, of the smart grid is obviously smarter meters. Well, you know, I think we talked about this before. You have, I have seen these, uh, I don't know, technologies to send, um, IP, basically TCP IP over electricity wires over yeah. electric the electric grid is that possible can we just use the grid to send information about the grid we can it's just not particularly efficient and honestly it's not necessary well and it's actually now that i think about it, it's kind of silly because what if you send a message that says shut it off yeah and you can't send any more messages can you well there there is that and and look cell works Almost every house has got broadband into it anyway. Like there's yeah. other ways to get the data back and forth, but sure. you, know, you know, making the meter smarter. And I've actually seen the, you know, the step up from the dumb meter the guy has to physically read is a meter with a little, uh, uh, VHF antenna on it. And the guy just drives by. Oh, that's cool. And calls to the meter to get the signal so he can collect the data faster, but it's still, you know, once a month gathering. It's not enough. Yeah. 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 Right. And it's still very much just, you know, how do we measure the one way thing? Mm. Getting meters smarter is really about. How do we make this a two-way street? How does the meter know what the power rate is? How can we go from maybe, you know, here in BC, we have the way they, they charge for power is you're al- you're allocated a certain number of kilowatt hours per month at mm. one rate, the yeah. sort of low rate. Yeah. And then above that, it's at a higher rate. So they, you know, that's their encouragement for you to conserve is huh. power is very cheap if you stay below this level and it gets more expensive when you go up. And yeah. I, now I can understand drying your clothes at night. You know, maybe you only get to do one load a day, but, yeah. um, or, or even just, you know, starting in the evening before you go to bed. But, um, you know, the, the killer of all of these smart grid, uh, technologies is air conditioning because mm-hmm. it's just a physical discomfort issue when the sun is shining. When, that's when uh, you need it the most. You yeah. don't need it at night. Right. And so, and especially in hotter places like California and so right. forth, they, it becomes a huge deal. And California's had this system, you know, they really struggle for power where uh, certain cities like San Francisco, when the, when the, they would put out these alerts and basically say, we're going to start cutting off power to different parts of the city, rotating blackouts to reduce yeah. our power consumption. Yeah. Unless you guys start turning off your air conditioners. And they, right. and they, it worked. Huh. But enough people would turn off their air conditioners, they get below that threshold so they wouldn't have to do the blackouts. Yeah. But that's totally manual. Right. But the next sort of step, think about automating that. Yeah. So yeah, there's yeah. a group of, uh, there's a group of standards coming along and one of them is called smart plug, which allow you to actually put an outlet, uh, replace an existing outlet. And this is the brilliance of all this, right? And now, you know, we'll go through a couple of how we could solve these different problems, but Thinking in terms of retrofitting existing systems. So imagine I can take an existing outlet, the outlet that has my AC unit plugged into it. Yeah. Replace it with a compatible plug. It fits in the same spot, but this one ties into my meter and talks to the, uh, the power company. And so when the power company needs to put out a command like that saying, Hey, I need to save power. I've signed up. I get a discount on my electrical bill. Okay. Because the power company has the option to say, I need to turn off that outlet right now. Huh. Huh. And so rather than you having to hear the call and go shut your air conditioner off, you commit to when you need to turn that off, feel free. 
And do we all do, do we also need a sort of uh, appliances with a built-in shutdown command? Because some appliances don't like to be just pulled the plug on. Well, that's where the technology gets more advanced. So I'm, I'll include these links in the show. But Smart Plug are the guys who are building the outlet. But there's also a site called Right Plug. And so Smart Plug is the physical outlet. Right Plug is actually coding on the uh, plug itself to identify the device. So when huh. you plug it into the jack, there's a little uh, RFID communication that goes on. It says, oh, you've plugged in an air conditioner and it has these specifications. Oh, and great. now it can report it back to the meter. And then that ultimately talks back to the to the, to the the power company and that's to decide as, what to use. That's as easy as just attaching an RFID tag to the plug. To the plug. So, that's, a, that's an easy solution. Yeah, and in, inexpensive. So this whole idea that I can retrofit a power meter, then retrofit... Uh, the outlets that matter, right? Yeah. And you, you know, think about what would you want? I'd want to retrofit uh, outlets where their power, I really don't want you to cut off. Yes. Right? They're sensitive electronics, that kind of thing. Or maybe the, you know, thing that runs your CPAP machine or right. your, your, your uh, dialysis machine. Like, yeah. Like, keep you alive. Yeah, that, yeah. Don't, please don't turn those off. Yeah. And then also stuff I do want to turn off. Right. So you say, you know, that mixture of those things then allow us to start communicating back and forth. But the, really, that's just dealing with crises. What we want to do is we want to get smarter still. Right. right. We want to, we want a, a way of life, not a, not a crisis mode. Yeah. What, yeah. what if we, you know, once we can actually put smart meters everywhere and they know what the price of power is, we can start routinely adjusting the price of power. Why shouldn't power prices go up as demand goes up? Much right. more this, this supply and demand model. Right. And maybe the unit measurement is minute. Or hour, 15 minutes, you know, smaller units that way, because then we get into the participatory model. The ultimate manifestation of the smart grid here is our ability to sell power to each other. And I want to get there, but we're not huh. there yet. There's a bunch of problems we need to solve. Okay. But I just, I want to shine a light on where we're going here is just not keeping the grid happy, but actually really reducing the load in the grid and making distributed power work better. And right. I would also mention that you can do more to, uh, not only reduce the stress on the grid, but also lower your costs by getting a, uh, a, a walkthrough analysis of the efficiency of your home. Sure. And, you know, these aren't expensive to do. And sometimes the, the fixes in the, are as easy as a little weather stripping here. Yeah. You know, a little more insulation there, like cheap stuff. But it, and it starts with understanding what's consuming power in your house. If you don't know, yeah, yeah, your furnace is running all the time right. because you're, you know, you're losing heat. It's like, hey, my house is warm. My furnace is working great. Right. Work, maybe your furnace is working three times harder than it needs to. Exactly. Just because your house isn't weaterproof enough, and twenty dollars worth of weather stripping could have made a big difference for it. Yeah, and that, twenty dollars worth of weather, weather stripping could call, you know, could save you hundreds. Right. Every month. So, well, maybe not every month, but it could. Depends. Yeah, and and ultimately, so it starts with instrumentation. Yeah. Can we get the different things that consume electricity in our house to record what they're consuming? Because once you can measure it, you can control it. Right. And that means, that means we need standards. You know, the thing that strikes me as a, a standard that finally succeeded was USB. Mm -hmm. And, you know, why, why not have USB jacks in your walls to power devices just like you would have? Like you wouldn't believe it, but our house, we have USB jacks, the little adapters. In every outlet, because, you know, kids want to charge their phones or whatever. Yeah. It's like, what we should, if you're building a house right now, you should do that. Well, and, and you can retrofit it. There are, uh, you go to a place like smarthome.com, they'll sell you wall jacks that include a USB plug on them. Yeah. It's just great for DC power. And then all those wall warts go away. 
You know, yeah. if you can, if you're making a device that runs on DC power, if you can power it off USB, you should. Yeah. I would love to see that become the world standard for DC power. Well, now, and now you're talking about an even bigger thing, which is if you were going to do the house again, if we want to get rid of those 19th century power standards, yeah. you know, what would it look like? Yeah. And there's lots of conversation going about this. I just don't think it's particularly realistic because it means rewiring whole houses, right? Yeah, yeah. The retrofit idea is good. Yeah. The jacks. The, the sort of magic number seems to be right now a 48-volt DC household power system. Because 48 volts is enough power to power just about anything. Yeah. Except for the biggest appliances where you still want AC. But lighting works great that way. Almost all electronics work on less power than that. Uh, and the big thing is as soon as we started managing a significant quantity of DC in our homes, then our solar power makes more sense. Like I'll, we get rid of all the synchronization problems. There's a lot of things that just work better. So, okay. But uh, honestly, I feel like that's a pipe dream. Like that, is, that is so much further away and we can do so much more working with the infrastructure we have. Yeah. Okay. So it's nice to make the outlet smart and to make the plug smart, but the ultimate manifestation of this is actual appliances with intelligence, that the appliances are able to talk to the meters and say, how much is power right now? And that gets back to the scenario I painted a long time ago about the dishwasher, where you stop telling your dishwasher, run now. You tell the dishwasher, I need my dishes clean by six o'clock tomorrow morning. Yeah, right. And then it simply talks to the power meter about what the pricing for power is going to be in that time span based on how long it's going to take to wash the dishes and runs the machine appropriately, which is yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. you know, the way we, I don't know that people are actually going to do it that way. Uh, you know, it's interesting to think that you could put some software into the dishwasher when you say start, it'll say, you know, I can run it right now and it'll cost you this much or I can run it at on the optimal time run. It'll cost you this much. So let's talk about realistically the, the, the political will and the challenges thereof for creating a smart grid. It seems to me that because it's something that will take a long time to do, that politicians are reticent to, uh, put in any laws that, uh, well, certainly presidents are that initiate that because it's long term. But I also wonder if, you know, we recently did that, uh, uh, show with John Peterson talking about uh, SOPA and ACTA and so forth. Yeah. Is it actually in our interest to have laws? Isn't this going to come about naturally because the grid needs to solve this problem too? Well, maybe like, not laws, but certainly uh, provision spending for it. Yeah, or at least incentives. Incentives, yeah. And it, and it seems to be that's what's actually going on right now. There are incentives to experiment with smart grids. The biggest challenge is that smart grid is a loaded term. There's lots of different things that are being called smart grid true, right now. True, true. And lots of different implementations going on. But, you know, if you get back to that basic idea of we want to reduce stress on the grid because it's literally at the edge of its abilities. Yeah. That, I think everybody agrees on that. And I think, you know, in terms of this show, I think it's as far as we've gotten. Where it gets interesting, and, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to do this show now before we get into the alternative power sources is mm. what happens when we actually have that two-way communication and a floating rate, but now our meters can speak to each other because each of us is also a power generator. So, Carl. Yeah, Richard. You ever embed Excel into an application? Ugh. You know, that's right up there with sticking ice picks in my ears. Nice. Because your end users have to have the right version of Office and all that stuff. Yeah. And it has that extra layer of dependency. What I want is just a way to take all that Excel goodness and plop it right into my .NET application. Well, you reminded me of Farpoint Spread from the old days. Yeah, 20 years ago I used Farpoint Spread, but now, of course, it's Grape City Power Tools Spread. 
And now, you know, they have this version that's both for ASP.NET and for Windows Forms in one package. Nice. Yeah, it's two different controls, obviously, but it's in one package, so... You bought one, you bought the other. Right. Spread.NET from Grape City Power Tools. Smarter components for smarter developers. Now, we did, of course, uh, analyze the whole idea of, quote-unquote, selling power back to the grid. Right. And determine that that means two things. That means essentially generating more power locally through wind and whatever alternate means that you can use less power from the power company, thereby reducing your bill. Right. Which isn't really selling it back to the grid. When you're generating power, um, very few people generate more power than they can actually use. I mean, it takes a lot to just... To just power a home, let alone have surplus. So is this what you're talking about when we have surplus energy? Like we actually are generating more than we use? Well, we'll get there. Actually, I want to digress on this point a bit because one of the questions that I answered uh, back and forth a bit with uh, with listeners on uh, on the electricity show was this whole idea of selling power to the grid. And if you want to have some fun, go to YouTube and look at some of the videos that people have made of trying to sell power back to the grid. Okay. A couple of things you'll find out. First is virtually every one of them solar. Yeah. And that's important for one reason. Solar's DC. Yeah. So synchronization is much easier when you're already DC. Yeah. Right? So that's the first part. But the grid is AC. Grid is AC. So you have to rectify. You have to turn your DC into AC. Okay. But it's easy to synchronize when you're doing that. If you're going to, you, you have to do it anyway to make it AC. So you make it AC in sync. Okay. Uh, with a significant power loss. All right. Uh, the, and the other more interesting thing, and one of the couple of videos I watch is the guy, you know, literally videoing as he's doing it. He's got all his gear and so forth. And then he's just shutting everything off in his house to see if he can get the meter to actually run backwards. <laughs> like that the downside is that solar cells just don't generate that much electricity. And That's so right. actually getting enough that you can run your, your meter backwards is hard. Yeah, it is. Uh, and it's not a lot of power, like it's not economically viable. But let's let's back up. Let's not even worry about the the arbitrage model, the wholesale's okay. model. Let's think about our simple smart grid environment. So I have a meter that's got variable power char- rates, right? Maybe they're hourly. Mm-hmm. I have uh, devices inside my house that understand that pricing. So we've already made some big leaps, right? I I've got the appliance companies on board; they're speaking the standard. So we now have this smart dishwasher. Okay. Now let's add in an alternative power source. So you have, say, a small windmill in your yard that generates electricity. Now, All right. Needless to say, so paint that same scenario. Seven o'clock in the evening, dinner's finished, dishwasher's loaded. You say run the dishwasher at the lowest rate possible. Make sure the dishes are clean by six a.m. Right. The it, the dishwasher interrogates the uh, power meter. Power meter says, "Hey, power will be cheapest at three a.m." It goes, "Well, it takes me an hour to do the dishes, so I'll do it at three a.m. It'll be done by four a.m. I qualify. That's great. I'll go to sleep." Okay. Round eleven o'clock at night, the wind picks up. Yeah. Your windmill starts going hard. And it's generating enough electricity to run that dishwasher. That's free power, right? You've already paid for that. So you should consume that rather than draw more power from the grid. Right. Now, how do you make that work? Yeah. There's a bunch of problems here. So first is I have to have some kind of measure that that thing is running. But the biggest challenge is how do I direct that electricity that's coming from that uh, generator connected to my windmill to my dishwasher? Right. Knowing that... By for safety reasons, we can't cross the streams. 
right? The grid's connected to the dishwasher, then the the, uh, the windmill cannot be. Okay. So I need a device that will route power for me the same way that we route network packets. Yes. So there's a, several companies that are working on these smart breaker boxes that will actually allow you to plug multiple power sources into them. And then based on the power availability and the power demand and the power pricing, switch accordingly. It's like a, sw- a network switch for power. Absolutely. It's a router. Wow. That's the direction we need to go in. Yeah. So again, still retrofitable. I replace my breaker box yeah. with a smarter breaker box. Yeah. It's really even, may not change the box, just be different kinds of breakers. In fact, there's some very cool breakers out there today. There are breakers that will give you exact metering on that breaker. Oh man. So they'll tell you how much power each breaker is consuming and you can get it in a report. Now it all depends on how your house is wired. Now, you know, this seems like such a no brainer, especially from an IT perspective. You're like, well, yeah, that's how I'd do it too. The tricky part is we're moving enough electricity around that we can't just switch electronically. We need to physically change wire connections, right? We need what they call airspace. So, you know, and I talked about this in the electricity show, I have my generator outside and it's a 15,000 watt generator, right? It's a high, pushes out a hundred amps of power. Right. And that hundred amps can't touch the power coming in from the grid. And so there's a transfer switch. It's a two foot wide by two foot wide by a foot deep box. Right. It's a basically a hundred amp breaker and it physically yanks itself with a big solenoid and don't be near it when this happens because right. it's terrifying yeah. to switch the power from what's coming from the grid to what's coming from the generator. You don't want a hundred of these right. or 50 of these. You want something more granular. We want it in the 20 amp version. But the more important thing is we need it intelligent enough to know how to switch these different combinations. And it gets, that's just two power sources. What if I also have solar? Right. Right. Or I have geothermal. I mean, is any other number of potential power sources that we might play with? Or even a, a propane generator for that matter. Exactly. Maybe propane's cheap right now. It's, right. you know, we know what the price of running that generator is compared to pulling off the grid. Right. Typically, I'd expect the grid to be cheaper, but not at peak time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We get into one of those crisis moments and I still need my air conditioner to run. They've jacked up the rate because it's peak. So now I suddenly fire my generator, drop off the grid. You know, and there's an interesting game here is enough people do that. They fire the generator, drop off the, drop off the power load for, to run their AC, which drops the price back down. And then they transfer back. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. We could get into a, a nasty trap here, but th- the real smart grid is this ability to switch between multiple power sources to power individual appliances or, or, or particular loads as needed. And that is a very challenging problem to solve, but there are folks yeah. working on that. And you see the now bit by bit, we're, we're leaving. I've left my wires in the wall. Right. I've changed my meter. Yep. I've changed my outlets. I've changed my plugs a little bit. Right. Maybe I've set up an IP network that ties to my meter that's now letting my smart appliances talk directly. And now we start swapping out the breaker box so we can bring in additional power sources. Wow. Not until we get there can we start talking about could we take power from other sources. So what you're saying is it's really going to be impossible to have a smart grid without having these our homes completely changed over. Right. Yeah. There's a bunch of changes here. Let me throw one more piece in the equation. You want to talk about another power source? Sure. Your electric car. Oh, yeah. My electric car is a great generator. If I could only plug it into my house. Well, interestingly enough, right? So you get an electric car charging spot in your house. That's mm-hmm. probably going to be the largest electrical demand in your house now. Yep. Recharging your car. Yeah. 
So you definitely want it plugged into the smart meter. Yep. But now you have to have you you have to talk to your car to talk to your car about what you're going to need to do with it tomorrow. Yeah. So that it can judge how long it's going to need to charge yeah. to optimize your power consumption. So it has to be hooked up to your Google Calendar. Well, or you've got to tell it, right? You give it its, you give it your schedule tomorrow, right? We're commuting tomorrow, so we're going to need 20 miles of driving. You, know, you give it all that information. It sort of looks at how much power it's got, how much more power it's going to need, how long that charge is going to take. It says, okay, I can charge in this window. Well, you know, it certainly removes the whole spontaneity of the American dream, doesn't it? Let's get in the car and go for a ride. You know, no, I'm sorry. You don't have enough charge for that. Well, you know, you're trading off, you know, I want to go for a ride versus I want to save money. Because imagine this, instead of running a generator, instead of paying for the cost of installing a generator, I choose not to drive today because I want my air conditioner to run at a lower rate. Now, yeah. discharge my car into my house. Yeah. Now you have some storage. Yeah, that's interesting, huh? That Using your car as storage. It's car as storage. Huh. Because it's, it's typical electric cars are in the six kilowatt range. Well, that's electric cars. The hybrid doesn't have a whole lot of storage, the, the Prius. No, the true electric cars have more storage. Right. Although, it is interesting to think about, what if your Prius could just start itself to be your generator? Well, yeah, and you know, there are people that retrofit Priuses with uh, devices so that they can plug them into the house and use them right. as generators. And, 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 and Exactly. I actually had the idea, because I got into sort of film for a while, and... Uh, the, the big problem with doing on-location shoots, especially at night, is lighting. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, you can't have live sound when you're shooting at night because those generators are making too much noise. They're too noisy. But yeah. a Prius? Pretty quiet. Pretty quiet. Could power yeah. some serious lights. Yeah. Interesting but, idea. Isn't it? But you start to see what the modern home looks like now. If we have the smart meter, the, the smart appliances, mm. plugs and outlets, and we have the the routing ability in our breaker boxes. Now we start using all these different sources of power together. So I guess, you know, the, the, uh, the skeptic in me says, yeah, that's all great in a utopian world, but how can, how can we change the grid to work with the house that we have now? Well, the simplest thing is, you know, we've already brought a bunch of this up. These plugs exist now. Yeah. You have to work with your power company as far as the meter is concerned. They control that. Yeah. But there's lots of pilot programs going on out there today. And, and so it's worth looking into. Find okay. out what the rating system for your neighborhood is. Yeah. Are you paying different power rates based on your consumption? Are you paying different power rates at different times? Yeah. Take advantage of it. I wonder if that's something you can look at just by reading your bill. Uh, typically, power companies are, are generally pretty obvious about doing that, although those bills are sometimes hard to read. But yeah. There are opportunities there. And certainly, we're going to put lots of links on the show here mm -hmm. to some of the, the sites and products that are out there. Mm. And for better or worse, somewhat U.S.-centric. Yeah. Because that's where we are uh, uh, to uh, help you do all of this. But there's lots of potential here. I'm, you know, I tend to be a pessimist because it's good to be usually right and occasionally pleasantly surprised. Yeah. But I'm optimistic about this. These things make sense. They make economic sense. They solve the problem. The challenge is that a lot of the people that are driving this are not technical enough. Right. They don't understand what we understand in the software world about how peer-to-peer -peer works. And we can actually start addressing these ideas that how do I get to the point where I can buy my neighbor's uh, windmill power? So, um, you know, that brings me back to this point of, you know, like you just made of, of us software developers, especially web developers, understanding networks and grids and, 
and uh, power companies and the rest of the world not. Um, I, w- I wonder if there's any, you know, who we should be talking to, who we should be partnering with, what kind of contacts should we be making in order to um, help educate and, and and work with companies that are doing this kind of thing. The uh, the organization I've been looking the closest at is the National Institute of Standards, okay, NIST, and they've got a whole section on smart grids, and they are the ones who do the public meetings around developing these standards. So there's certainly opportunities to write in and to participate mm. to sort of help the standards evolve and to make sure we're incorporating technology as best as possible. But you know, you talk about career opportunities for software development. Oh God, yeah. If you're tired of building line of business apps, you should call the power company. They probably need your help. That's great, Richard. Well, you know, I had a few more ideas for other geek out shows that we could do off of this. One is um, Green Homes. Mm-hmm. You know, the Ed Bagley Jr. Uh, dilemma. Yeah. And uh, another one is natural gas, because you know what? There's uh, some serious development, for better or for worse, going on in the United States anyway, in natural gas development. Right. And um, there's good, there's bad, and there's earthquakes. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> uh, who knew that fracking was more than something you did in Battlestar Galactica? Yeah, that's <laughs> fracking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. I think that's a show. Hey, I'm glad you guys uh, enjoyed the Geek Out shows. Please uh, keep your comments coming. Tell us what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Uh, we're on an alternative and uh, energy bent in general right now. But if you'd like to change gears, maybe do something else. You know, I got some notes on nanotechnology that look pretty cool. Ooh. And, and you reminded me maybe we need to talk about home automation again because there's some great stuff. Yeah, there. and we have some people we can tap for that. Absolutely. All right. Well, until then, we'll see you next time on Donnie Rocks. Hey, thanks for listening. And remember... Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 minutes of free video training by guests on .NET Rocks and other experts in the field. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.